0: From the mountains to the plains, from the desert to the sea, from fresh water to salt water.
2: Yama and welcome to NITV Radio. I am Bertrand Tungandami. Coming up in your program this Monday, January 29, we explore the Australian of the Year Awards as linguist, teacher and community leader Yalma Yunupingu was named the 2024 Senior Australian of the Year. Also in the program today, Queensland Premier Stephen Miles has toured the Townsville area as cleanup operations continue following Cyclone Kirli program we also have a conversation with auntie raylene brown talking about uh, her catering business congress can cook illustrating how the business went from a humble home kitchen to a large scale operation and uh, going on up to featuring in master chef MasterChef, also winning worldwide recognition as it showcases bush food across uh, the globe all these stories and more coming to you on nitv radio after the latest news Bulletin: Independent Senator Jackie Lambie is urging the government to do more to ease cost of living pressures on ordinary Australians. New South Wales Premier Chris Mintz says the state will ban the Nazi salute. And New Zealand stands by its funding of the UN organisation for Palestinian refugees as allies withdraw support. Independent Senator Jackie Lambie says more needs to be done to ease the cost of living pressures on ordinary Australians. She has welcomed the government's announcement the Australian Competition and Consumer Commission will conduct a year-long inquiry into the supermarket sector. But Ms Lambie told Channel 9 more needs to be done to help people struggling on many fronts, including reducing the amount people pay for energy bills.
3: I think governments really need to make some really big decisions, but um, certainly those power prices and the supermarket. I mean, the supermarket's are like mafias, mate. It's like mafia warfare out there. They should have been dealt with years ago. No-one's had the courage, either major political party, to actually take them down and make sure that they're not price gouging, which they are by a long shot.
2: The ACCC's inquiry will investigate the difference between what supermarkets actually pay farmers for fresh produce and what they charge customers amid claims giants, Woolworths and coals are price gouging. Childcare fees have grown faster than inflation and wages since rebates were introduced, which have had little effect in placing downward pressure on prices. The Stolen Consumer and Competition Commission's final report from the childcare Inquiry to be released today has found subsidies generally lowered out-of-pocket costs across income groups but fees across all services have grown faster than inflation and wages since the childcare subsidy was introduced. The Consumer Watchdog found the design and implementation of the rebates only had limited effectiveness in pushing fees down and constraining the burden on taxpayers. Former Labor Minister Greg Combe has been announced as the chair of the Future Fund. The fund was established in 2006 as Australia's sovereign wealth fund, designed to manage assets in seven special areas, including drought, housing and disability. Treasurer Jim Chalmers says he's thrilled to announce the appointment of Mr Combe, who served as climate change minister in the Gillard government and previously was leader of the Australian Council of Trade Unions.
4: Greg Combe has extensive experience in investment and superannuation as well as government and the climate and energy transformation in particular. Uh, Greg Combe is a person of extraordinary breadth and depth and character and experience. And he is the perfect appointment to take the Future Fund into the future. Mr Combe
2: will begin the position media... He follows the resignation of former Chair and former Federal Liberal Treasurer Peter Costello after 14 years on the Future Fund board. New South Wales will explicitly outlaw the Nazi salute after white supremacists ceased, staged a series of demonstrations in Sydney over three consecutive days. Premier Chris Minns commended police for breaking up the rallies and issuing public safety orders but says current laws will need to be strengthened. While Nazi symbolism is outlawed in New South Wales, unlike in Victoria, there is no law explicitly banning the Nazi salute. Mr Means has said if current laws don't sufficiently address what happened on the weekend, his government will move legislation to make the salute illegal. Federal Labor Minister Tanya Plibersek has told Channel 7's Sunrise, neo-Nazi demonstrations, pedo-hatred.
4: A number of states are proposing to toughen their own approaches as well. Uh, The security agencies have made it clear to us that this rise in right-wing extremism is a very serious threat in Australia. So whatever we can do at a Commonwealth or a state level, we should be doing. This sort of ideology has no place in Australia. And I I think it's particularly horrific that it's this weekend that these groups have chosen uh, between Mm. Australia Day and Holocaust Remembrance Day.
2: New Zealand has not followed its allies in withholding funding for the United Nations Agency accused by Israel of involvement in the Hamas-led attacks on the 7th of October. The international agency that supports Palestinian refugees UNRWA, has fired several employees from its 13,000 strong Gaza workforce and is investigating the claims. The accusations have prompted Australia, Canada, Britain, Italy, Germany, France and Japan to either pull or suspend financial support, as well as UNRWA's lead donor, the United States but the New Zealand government says it is committed to supporting the critical humanitarian response in Gaza and has backed a probe to urgently investigate the allegations. Other countries, such as Norway and Ireland, say they will keep funding the organisation while it is being investigated. Medical facilities are at risk of collapse in the southern Gaza city of Hanianus, Han as fighting, rages across the Palestinian enclave. Residents say Israeli planes and tanks also pounded areas in Gaza City to the north where Israel has been pulling out troops. The armed wing of Hamas and the Islamic Jihad said their fighters clashed with Israeli troops in several areas across the enclave overnight. Turkish authorities say they've captured two gunmen who shot one person dead during a Sunday service at a church in Istanbul. Interior Minister Ali Yirlikaya says two murder suspects have been arrested and named the victim as Turkish citizen Cihan. Islamic State has claimed responsibility for the attack on Santa Maria Church in Syria, saying it was in response to a call by the group's leaders to target Jews and Christians. The lawyer for the church, Avsin Hatipoglu, says they are seeking
4: answers. Two masked people who came to the mass deliberately and knowingly raided the mass and carried out this heinous attack. All elements of the Republic of Turkey are investigating this wild and barbaric attack with messages of kindness and respect for the church. We thank our state's support at this stage, And offer our condolences to the Catholic community especially and to our nation. Pope
2: Francis has also offered his condolences for the attack after his weekly prayer. Newly appointed as of the Year, Georgina Long and Richard Scoglia have urged the country to take sun safety more seriously and stop glamorizing tanning. The two doctors have dedicated their lives to combating the deadly skin cancer melanoma. Through their medical breakthroughs, the researchers are credited with helping save thousands of lives. Ms Long and Mr Scoglia have urged Australians to be more careful in the sun.
4: In most cases, melanoma is
1: preventable with sun-safe behaviour, and prevention is always better than a cure.
0: Yet tomorrow, thousands of Aussies will be soaking up
3: the sun working on their tans, or as we see it, brewing their melanomas. When it comes to tanning, we are swimming outside the flags.
2: And to sport in tennis, Janik Sina has taken home the Australian Open Men's Tournament trophy after a grueling five-set victory over Daniel Medvedev. The world number four roared back from two sets down to defeat the world number three in an epic final at the Road Lever Arena in Melbourne on Sunday. Two days after beating 10-time champion Novak Djokovic, the 22-year-old Italian has claimed his first Grand Slam in a 3-6-3-6-6-4-6-4-6-3 victory. In a post-match interview with Channel 9, Sina congratulated and praised his opponent for playing an amazing tournament.
4: I know we played um, so many finals already together, um, but every every match I... I find something where, where I can improve and, um, you make me always a, a a much, much better player. Obviously, your, your effort has been awesome throughout the whole, the whole tournament.
2: And having a look at the weather around the country, Broome partly cloudy, thirty-two. Perth sunny, twenty-nine. Adelaide also sunny, thirty. Melbourne sunny, twenty-eight degrees. Hobart partly cloudy, twenty-four. Albury Wodonga sunny, thirty-one. Canberra partly cloudy and a top of thirty. Wollongong a shower, two twenty-seven. Sydney similar conditions, twenty-eight. Newcastle partly cloudy, thirty degrees. Brisbane showers and a possible storm, twenty-nine. Townsville cloudy and a top of thirty-three. Canes, a shower two, thirty four, Alice Springs, mostly sunny thirty nine degrees, Darwin, rain and a possible storm thirty, and the Torres Strait Islands scattered thunderstorms and a top of thirty degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
0: TV Radio, Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 PM or any time online.
2: I'm Patron Tung Diamond, you're listening to NITV Radio broadcasting from now. I'm on the Coolin Nation this Monday afternoon. Coming up next, Queensland Premier Steven Miles has toured the Townsville area as cleanup operations continue following Cyclone Kirilly. Also in the program we have a conversation with Auntie Rilein Brown talking about her catering business, Congress can cook. We learn how the business went from a humble home kitchen to becoming a, catering, a large catering operation, joining MasterChef and winning worldwide recognition as they take bush tucker across the globe. But first let's look at some of the personalities who received this year's Australian of the Year awards. The 2024 Senior Australian of the Year is teacher, linguist and community leader Yalma Yunupingu, while pioneering, me- pioneering melanoma experts Georgina Long and Richard Scoglia have been named Australians of the Year for 2024 at a ceremony in Canberra. The co-directors of the Melanoma Institute of Australia are credited with saving thousands of lives since developing an immunotherapy approach to treating melanoma as Kiara Haynes reports. Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio.
0: The Prime Minister has announced the 2024 Australians of the Year in a ceremony at the National Arboretum in Canberra. Mr Albanese says Australia Day is a significant day of reflection for all Australians.
1: Our National Day is our chance to do so much more than simply count our blessings. We pause to reflect on everything that we have achieved as a nation, as a people. All that we have created and built and learned through all the ups and downs of our history. The challenges we have faced together. The opportunities we have seized together. The tests that we have passed together. And it is together that we look to the future.
0: Professor Georgina Long, AO, and Professor Richard Scalia, AO, were both named Australian of the Year for 2024. Together, they've saved thousands of lives through their immunotherapy approach to treating melanoma. They say they're honoured to receive the award. We never imagined our life work would lead us here.
3: We stand here tonight proudly representing every melanoma patient and their families, but also those with brain cancer and indeed all cancers. We share this incredible honour with a wonderful and support, a wonderful team and supporters at Melanoma Institute Australia, the world's leading melanoma research and clinical care facility.
0: Our thoughts are always with those families where our breakthrough treatments.
3: Came too late. We are forever indebted to your loved ones and all our patients for their selfless commitment to research
0: which has changed the futures for others. That is Aussie Mateship at its very best. Australian swimmer Emma McEwen was named Young Australian of the Year. Ms. McEwen is the most successful Australian Olympian of all time, a title she claimed before her twenty-eighth birthday. At the 2020 Summer Olympics, Emma became the first female swimmer and the second woman in history to win seven medals in a single Olympics. She says she's honoured to receive the award. I'm so humbled and honoured to have received this award, especially when you look at the calibre and achievements of the other nominees for the Young Australian category. To look around this room and to see the huge positive impact that you're all having on our great country... It is a privilege to be alongside you all. Firstly, I want to congratulate everyone here tonight. What you are doing is beyond incredible and you inspire me to keep working hard. I'm a very proud Australian and honoured to be recognised by my country and thankful for everyone who has supported me throughout my swimming career so far. The 2024 Senior Australian of the Year is teacher, linguist and community leader Yao Mei Yunupingu. As a teacher and linguist, she guided teaching at Yerkala Bilingual School for four decades, retiring in March 2023. Ms Yunapingu says benefiting her community was always at the forefront of her work.
3: Education in Yerkala Bilingual School has always been my passion and my most treasured accomplishment in life, besides my family and community. As a young woman, I was curious to know where education would take me. I was inspired by teachers and and my leaders. But all those years, I never expected that I was going to become a teacher linguist. I worked at Yukala Bilingual School, teaching younger children for over 40 years. Through this, I became a teacher specialist in both worlds, to benefit my people and community.
0: David Elliott has been named the Australian local hero for 2024. Mr Elliott's discovery of a dinosaur fossil during a routine sheep muster in 1999 caused paleontologists to flock to outback Queensland, making it a now-famous dinosaur hotspot. Mr Elliot went on to found the Australian Age of Dinosaurs Museum of Natural History on the property as a not-for-profit charity in 2002. He says he will keep fighting for his ambitions.
1: Building the museum has been my abiding passion for over 20 years, but it hasn't always been an easy path to follow. There's been some bumpy sections, sometimes there's been no path at all. But I've learned one thing. When you're overwhelmed, you have to believe in yourself. And you have to look back on your achievements and be inspired. You can make a difference, it just takes time. A great museum is like a journey that has no final destination. An evolving thing moulded and shaped by traditions, integrity and the dedication of countless people over countless generations. And therein lies my love for the Australian Nature Dinosaurs Museum of Natural History. We can build it. We will build it. It's just a part of the journey.
0: Kira Hain, SBS News. NITV Radio, share our stories on Facebook.
2: We must now step aside for a break and when we come back, we look at uh, new ways to weatherproof homes and uh, we also look at the aftermath of ex-cyclone Kirillie in far north Queensland as uh, cleaning operations continue. (coughs) Come back. Now, the ACT government has adopted a new national building standard which ensures houses are more energy efficient and accessible. It's become the first jurisdiction to implement the 2022 National Construction Code which includes new residential
4: energy efficiency standards. Greg Diet reports. Uninsulated homes that are freezing in winter and excessively hot in summer will eventually be history as Australia adopts the 2022 National Construction Code. The ACT government is implementing the code in full, which includes having houses achieve the equivalent of a seven-star energy rating. The Chief Executive of the Australian Building Codes Board, Greg Rake, says the changes will have a lasting positive impact.
1: These changes are about making new homes fit for the future. So they're going to improve comfort of these new homes, affordability, accessibility and sustainability. These are a great uh, set of new changes. They'll improve the energy efficiency for homes and these benefits will flow through to the people who use the homes. So we're talking about benefits for renters, benefits for owners, benefits for visitors. It's one of the few areas that we can very directly get assistance into household budgets, Reducing energy bills is a great way to make savings for households.
4: The Housing Industry Association welcomes the changes but warns there'll be extra costs to make new or existing dwellings compliant. Greg Weller is the HAA's ACT Director.
1: Invariably we're going to see that the standard of windows in the home will increase significantly. We're certainly hearing from members that that can be in the tens of thousands of dollars for someone purchasing a new home. So this can be very significant as well.
4: Architect and urban designer Marcus White says Australia needs to design homes that are resilient to climate change. He says one obvious change is avoiding building on floodplains. But that can involve a trade-off with people having to accept higher-density builds in areas that are not vulnerable to flooding.
1: Ideally, we would do less building in these areas um, that are problematic. We would densify where not um, in flood zones, so that means um, accepting some change in some uh, suburbs that are more established.
4: Marcus White says building houses well above ground level... Like the elevated houses known as Queenslanders in the Sunshine State, could be one measure needed in other parts of the country.
1: I think that's a good kind of adaptation of what was a kind of European style house that got lifted up to suit the climate. Um, we need to be exploring uh, options like that where, where we're thinking about the climate in, you know, where we are now, um, but also into the future, which, um, you know, you can look at some of the forecasts that don't. Um, For example, Melbourne might be much hotter and much drier, or it might might be much hotter and also um, wetter. So you've got to kind of look at some of these possible scenarios and and try and design for um, a range of different uh, possible future climates.
4: Greg Diet, SBS News.
3: You're with NITV Radio.
2: Now, the Queensland Premier, Stephen Miles, has toured the Townsville area as the cleanup continues following Cyclone Kerely. Around 50,000 households in North Queensland are still without power. Parts of the state's waste are now expecting flash flooding in the aftermath of the cyclone. Kier Haines reports.
0: The suburb of Kelso in the north Queensland city of Townsville survived the eye of the storm after Cyclone Kiralee tore through the area. Residents like Nikki Storey now need to survive the recovery with no power and in severe tropical heat. It's been
3: rather hot without, obviously, being able to have the air conditioning on. Um, we're lucky enough to have a generator, so we've got fans and fridges going. But we've kind of prepared our kids that it could be up to seven, seven days. Um, there's been a few. A lot of people are talking about when they think it's going to be, but um, you know we're hoping it'll be sooner rather than later. But we are prepared for it to take up to seven days, depending on what they're doing around the town.
0: Residents are cleaning up after strong winds hit the region along with rainfall totals between 100mm and 150mm, but minimal property damage was recorded. But the areas without power are also those facing the biggest cleanups. At the peak of the cyclone's crossing, around 66,000 customers experienced a power outage. Over 10,000 homes now have power back, but about 29,000 more remain without power. The people living in them, like resident Pavit Saini, still have no idea how long it will stay that way.
1: We couldn't sleep last night and kids were crying, so we left uh, 3.30 to our grocery store. We had power there, so we stayed there till this morning, and we just got back to check on if we got the power back or not.
0: An extra 600 energy workers have been sent to Townsville, with their first priority to be restoring critical infrastructure with traffic lights, mobile networks and water pumping stations all offline. Premier Stephen Miles says energy workers are doing everything they can to get power back online.
4: The Ergon workers are absolutely focused on getting the power back on for uh, that critical water, wastewater, as well as telecommunications infrastructure. Uh, that's their first priority. And So we'll keep providing updates uh, throughout the day, but they are uh, quite confident, particularly given that there's no power lines down. There's some, uh, there's some broken arms, there's lots of, uh, lots of lines down, but no uh, power poles down. So that's uh, really what would delay them.
0: Meanwhile, Townsville's kids have been coming up with creative ways to pass the time. What are you selling? Um, oh, so we're selling apples, 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 apples uh, coconut chips, $2. and chips, and, uh, and, chips uh, and chips. Uh, coconuts, and dollars. There's still plenty of days of clean-up ahead, but as for the weather, Townsville is now in the clear. Further inland, it's a different story. Severe weather and flood warnings are still active as ex-tropical cyclone Curalea continues to cross the state. Miriam Bradbury from the Bureau of Meteorology says some roads could become impassable because of floodwaters. Rainfall totals may reach 70 to 110 millimetres over a six-hour period, and that's quite a short period to see quite a lot of rain come through. So it may very quickly lead to flash flooding that could cut off roads and access routes, turning them muddy and impassable, as well as causing other problems down the line. Emergency services have praised community preparedness as there has been no loss of life during or following the weather event. But people are still urged to remain cautious and alert. In Charters Towers, 14 people, including four children, became trapped in floodwaters when they decided to take a drive and survey the damage. All were airlifted to safety with no injuries. Superintendent Chris Lawson from the State Police Service says it's essential members of the public stay away from floodwaters.
4: We're seeing significant uh, amounts of rainfall occur across our region at the moment and we don't want people to be putting themselves at risk because that then puts the people that have to save them at risk. I encourage people to stay away from the floodwaters and ensure their own safety.
0: The state and federal governments have confirmed the people hardest hit will soon have access to personal hardship assistance. Residents of the Townsville and Burdekin Shires will be able to access relief payments worth $180 per person or up to $900 for a family of five. Kirahane, SBS News. Visit sbs.com.au slash radio.
2: We must now step aside for another break, and when we return, we hear the story of Kankas Can Cook, a catering business that's taken the Northern Territory by storm and taken bush food on a global stage. Stay tuned.
0: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: Kankas Can Cook is one of the first nations' businesses recommended in culture is closer than you think. A tourism Northern Territory campaign showcasing the unforgettable Aboriginal experiences in the Northern Territory, shining a light on the NT's First Nations Australians and their dynamic stories of leadership as they share 65,000 years of knowledge. Raylene Brown is the founder of Kankas Can Cook and I'm happy to say Raylene is joining us on NITV Radio today to explore her extraordinary journey from humble beginnings to worldwide acclaim. Welcome to NITV Radio, Raylene.
3: So it is a privilege to be able to speak to NITV Radio and calling in from the heart of Australia, Mabantua country. I'm really looking forward to this.
2: Yeah, and you're co-founder and director of Conkers Can Cook. It's kind of a, how would I say, a challenge or a response to a challenge to demonstrate that you can cook. (laughs) <laughs> is it the meaning? Because this is this is my interpretation.
3: It's, it's a term, like a language name. Kunga yeah, yeah. is for a woman in the local data language. Yeah. And we had a really pretty boring name, but so we wanted to, you know, kind of make our language stand out in our name, and so it was. You know, it was just great to mean It's kind of got a little good ring to it as well. Kungas can cook, and everybody in our local town knows who we are because we've been around for a while. <laughs> so, and, yeah,
2: and cooking you can actually do. You can cook because oh, you've been selected. Good. Yeah, you've been <laughs> selected by Northern Territory Tourism as. Uh, Leaders in the First Nations creatives category, especially in uh, the way you cook and uh, you put uh, the anti up there in uh, the tour food destinations around Australia.
3: Yes, that's correct. So, really showcasing our First Nations foods, our our ancestors' foods into um, my tourism package that I deliver on the Larapinta Trail, which is a trail that's pretty famous now. A lot of people travel to Central Australia to do a trek along the Larapinta Trail. And I meet guests on the trail and just talk to them about, you know, the, what's out there and out in the bush, what's, and that they're surrounded by edible foods that They wouldn't think so because they think, we're in the desert. We can't see trees with fruit. And I said, but our people... You know, knew where to find food, where to find water. They survived in these lands for many thousands of years. And but a lot of that food disappeared from our mob losing it because you know we couldn't have access to it. But um, it's really getting a big resurgence of interest in yeah. how and why these foods you know were so good for us. And it was and it's being found now that they, they chose really nutritious food so people could survive out here. So it's really an interesting way to introduce our visitors to our location and I think food is a great way of introducing country to people um, yeah people are really keen to try things <laughs> so I don't actually serve up witchy grubs I have in the past and um, honey ants but it's mainly just really an infusion of flavours into um, like a, a tasting platter which you know and people have so many questions to ask So we uh, really enjoy delivering um, that to our visitors to town.
2: Yeah, and you source your food locally from um, local women, uh, thus supporting their livelihoods and uh, connection to their culture, their land and uh, their history. Yes,
3: that's correct, because if these ladies have really been out there and haven't lost their knowledge and they they manage the land and it's an annual harvest of mainly two products which is a wattle seeds um, which are the beautiful we've got lots of varieties that are edible in central Australia and our little bush tomato which we call a kajira. it's a little favorite of the industry because lots of people want to buy it and make chutneys and relishes so it ends up in factories all over Australia but Quite a bit of it, um, I keep here for um, for myself to make chutneys and jams and and let people just try them as they are off the bush. You know, it's so it's so great that I can be a part of that too of that the wild harvest. It's just it's all a low impact on the environment. It's creating, like you said, activities on country, enriching culture. It's doing a lot of a lot of things that are really positive for our people as well. Food is a positive thing and um and our ladies just absolutely love you know they love going out on country really do
2: you started from humble beginnings and then went on to actually prove that you can cook when you say conkers (laughs) can cook it's actually (laughs) it's a journey traveled as well and uh showing that you can actually um call any challenge you had to cook 300 meals from a domestic kitchen and you actually met that challenge.
3: Yep, every day. It was for a whole week and that was how we got our little start in the business. It took some time off our normal jobs to go and do this job for a friend of ours. When we got to the kitchen we thought, oh, this is going to be definitely a challenge. I can tell you that we hardly saw the light of day because we were living in that kitchen to be able to, for two people to be able to produce that many meals a day. But we did it and we thought well if we can do that we can do it we can get out there and start a business and and it, it originally just started as us traveling in remote communities um, providing a catering service to mainly gatherings of indigenous groups that were doing um having meetings or festivals and things like that and it wasn't until a few years later that we actually set up a commercial kitchen in Alice springs and um and from there, we, our business grew, um, and we were, you know, we were getting pretty popular. And so we'd be cooking for lots of government events and um, private functions, and and then eventually opening up a cafe as well. But all the while, training lots of our young people, giving them an opportunity to learn about hospitality, working with young school kids as well, going into schools during NADOC week and cooking up bush tucker in the schools, and. So we were doing lots and lots of activities. That was what well, we're running a business, but we were actually at the same time giving back um, to our our local community as well. So. Yeah, we certainly proved that we could cook,
2: that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, 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 and you know, I love the name and also the adventures about, around this name and uh, the whole enterprise. You yes. just don't shy away from uh, any challenge, starting from cooking for 300 yes. pure women from uh, humble uh, Home Kitchen to yes. actually cooking for whole festivals with thousands of guests. Yes, yes, we
3: catered, we catered for... Um, I don't think I've ever seen a festival that big again in Alice Springs, but we had a 1,000 performers travel in from um, Indigenous people from all over Australia to celebrate with us the Yipurina Festival. This area is the Yipurina Dreaming Area, which is a big caterpillar um, and a big mountain range. And um, we set up and there was a massive stage set up and uh, we had people performing every day. And it was the first time, too, that our local Aranda group performed a public dance which hadn't happened for over 100 years so it was amazing the whole town got involved in that festival but we were very much busy in the background, I didn't get to see much of the performances because <laughs> we were stressing out at the back trying to uh, keep up with a 1000, you know 3000 meals a day so we went from you know a few hundred to 3000 meals a day so wow. uh, we, I, you know we then proved that yeah, we could do it. <laughs> and from, that was like a muster.
2: You have a can-do attitude and you deliver, which is uh, pretty impressive. And now yeah. you're being recognised by Northern Territory Tourism. But before yeah. that, you already put uh, congas uh, on the map, featuring on um, ABC cookbooks and um, BBC Great Rail Journeys and even being a yeah. judge on MasterChef.
3: Yeah, that happened last year. That was um that was cool. That was really good. Um got a call and uh said we're coming into town, we're on the road and we would love for you to be a guest judge and the challenge will be that they will have to cook with your local um bush tucker foods and I said, Wow, that's amazing. I I can't wait. So we we set up a big kitchen in one of our beautiful dry river beds here and uh yeah, it was on national television. It was a great way to showcase, you know, uh, Alice Springs and, the, and our beautiful West Macdonald Ranges to the rest of Australia so that we can say, come, you know, come visit our beautiful place here. There's so many little pockets of beautiful little places you can visit. There is water here um, and the scenery is ancient and beautiful. So it was a great way to showcase our, our lovely Central Australian um you know, the desert country here. And I did get lots of responses from people commenting saying, We made me come to Central Australia. I saw that on the After <laughs> Chef and I said, Oh God, sorry, that's what it was all about, getting you guys here to see it. So yeah, it was great. It was great to be able to work with those you know, the Jock and Mel and Andy and uh and we got um we got on great. It was hard work for those guys that had to run in the sand though, the contestants. It was pretty hard work for them. Yeah, so we had
2: a bit of fun. <laughs> I, I can imagine because some of those ingredients, although they are yummy, some of the contestants yeah. would never have seen them before.
3: No, and they were some. Some of those people were from migrant families, you know, the competitors, and they said we've never seen or smelt or eaten these flavors before. And, and they said, and they said it was a privilege for them to be able to come here and cook on country um, and open their eyes to. The ancient flavors of Australia. So it was, yeah, it was an amazing experience for the contestants as well. Um, we had lots of fun
2: from uh, there. So you're putting Kangas uh, on the map. Where to yeah. from uh, where you are at being recognised now by anti-tourism uh, as a really one of the outstanding creatives. Where yeah. to from now?
3: After we had a bit of a downtime, like the rest of Australia did. Um, I closed my catering business and when I did come back into business I thought I might keep myself not so much working really, really hard and, and cooking day and night in the kitchen because I am getting older. I've got, I've got you know, 10 grandchildren now and I need a bit of time with them but I'm still working in the Bushridge area and I thought, well, tourism would be a great avenue to really get involved in that and to share these beautiful flavours with visitors um, to our region. That's what I do now. Um, we have, um, like I said, with the Larapenta Trail, I work with young school kids that come into town. I, do, um, I talk to corporate groups and anyone that would like to learn more about our beautiful bush feeds. And I just have. A, I also have a little website now where we can, people can actually take these products away with them and use them in their own kitchen. That keeps me pretty busy as well. But I'm not working too many late nights anymore, which is what I used to do quite often in the catering business, but I'm still providing this, being, giving people a taste of uh, Central Australia.
2: And that was uh, part of my conversation with uh, Deadly anti Raelynn Brown, founder of uh, Gungaskan Cook. Now, this story was recorded early last year, but if you want to find out more about uh, Auntie Raelynn Brown and her... Catering business, can Kankuk. This story is published on our website, sbs.com.au/slash NITV Radio.
0: NITV Radio on radio, online, and mobile.
2: That's all from uh, the program, actually, for today. Your program uh, will be back with uh, more stories and news from uh, right across the country on Wednesday and uh, Friday. I am Bertrand Tungandami, thanking you for your company this Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yalu.